Good morning, everybody, and welcome to On Texas Football today, or coffee and football. <laughs> um, I'm your host, Blake Monroe, <laughs> joined by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of On3 and Inside Texas. And guys, Bobby, you put up a ton of practice notes this morning. Uh, lots of good stuff in there. And let's just let's just start right there out of the gate. What I mean, quarterback play sounds like it was something worth mentioning for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Arch Manning continues his uh, assault on the uh, – job for quarterback number two and just really the quarterback room in general has been uh so good this offseason uh but manning uh last night according to a couple of onlookers had a two-place sequence guys where he caught he he was in the shotgun took it dropped back then climbed the pocket and hit isaiah naor on an absolute bomb over the outstretched arms of malik muhammad who had good coverage for a touchdown. The very next play, Arch Manning comes back and hits Jordan Whittington on an RPO, like right in the hands, touchdown Jordan Whittington. Uh, Arch Manning had a whale of a practice last night. This does not mean, I want to be clear, that he's now the number two quarterback above uh, ahead of Malik Murphy, because Malik Murphy, uh, when it was time yesterday for uh, the Longhorns to go into the ones and twos, uh, Malik Murphy came out num- first with the twos, he and Arch did rotate between the second and third team. So be clear about that. And it certainly doesn't mean that anybody has overtaken Quinn Ewers because I hear that he continues uh, to have yes. good success. The one other thing I would add to this, and then we've got a lot of practice notes to talk about actually, Blake, across the board, not just quarterback. But one other thing I would add to this, the Texas offense in the two-minute drill yesterday was four for four against the Texas defense. I don't know that I've heard of that in a long time so keep in mind guys you know what i love about this these uh, coffee and football hello from guam hello from knoxville hello from harlingen hello from okc man texas fans are everywhere it's great to have you guys on with us every morning that is jerry i think the jokes are starting is arch the starter somebody asked no quinny was his qb1 he's gonna be qb1 He's going to have a really good year. He's going to be an improved quarterback this year, and he's going to set up his NFL draft stock this year. Um, Arch is just, uh, as Steve Sarkeesian said at the Monday press conference after practice, is playing at a high level. I'm not sure how much more of a compliment Steve Sarkeesian can give a freshman quarterback six practices in the fall camp than he's playing at a high level, Bobby. Hey, Jerry, you heard some uh, – let, let's let's go to you real quick because you heard yeah. some uh, immediate impact stuff uh, last night as well after the practice. Share a couple of things from from uh, what you talked about or what you heard. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. Um, Malik Muhammad had another really strong uh, uh, practice. I mean, he is real – he's getting some reps with the ones, right? I mean, the corner depth is showing up. Um, he may be the the best corner they have at staying attached down the field, right? Um, I mean, just talk about that pat, the touchdown pass Arch made to Nayor that Malik Muhammad had really good um, coverage there. Leona LaFowle had really good coverage on the Jordan Whittington uh, catch and run touchdown on that slant from Arch on an RPO. Um, you know, you mentioned Jure Bledsoe, and I heard that again. Jure Bledsoe. Boy, the athlete's becoming a football player, and we're not saying he's going to be an impact guy this year. But I kind of said it on your thread on Inside Texas. If you're not on Inside Texas, get over there and read the morning recruiting thread, which we have some in- intel. It's called confidence. And then Bobby's practice notes. Um, um, but, uh, 
you, you know, Dre Bledsoe, what I'm looking at is more consistent consistency with a lot of flashes this year, setting up 24-25, Bobby. I mean, he gains another 10, 12 pounds on that frame, and then he starts to look like that guy we all thought he could be. Yeah, I, I, I just say, Blake, there's a lot of news, uh, a lot of uh, oh, DJ DJ Campbell took the one reps with the right guard again yep. as the right guard again. So that one uh, seems to be uh, DJ Campbell continues to ascend. Uh, Bobby pointed out that Cole Hudson uh, is kind of the Swiss Army knife working in a number of positions, uh, you know, which, uh, look, I mean, that's uh, – to me, that's Cole's strength. That, coming out of high school, there's very few guys that when you interview them that haven't played center before say, I would like to play center. Cole was Hudson was one of those guys. Daniel Cruz was one of those guys. That's why I think the center position is in such good hands in the future. Connor Robertson, the same way. Texas has three guys um, that are young, two in the program, one coming into the program that weren't centers in high school, but or that want to play center in college. And Daniel Cruz is actually going to play some center this year for Richland High. So he's actually going to get his feet wet at the position uh, when the other guys had not. Um, hey, I also want to mention uh, Austin Jordan was in a green jersey yeah. uh, yesterday. Larry Turner Gooden apparently was in a green jersey. That's two injuries. We did not know. We did not see apparently uh, either DeAndre Moore or Jade Barron on the practice field. Now that doesn't mean they weren't, you know, part of the practice, etc. Barron's been dealing with a, knee, a lingering knee issue. They may just be holding him out precautionary. Not sure yet on DeAndre Moore. Uh, perhaps uh, Steve Sarkeesian addresses that with the media later this week. We'll also be digging uh, as well. One last thing I want to mention, Jerry, that I, I, and, and please go to InsideTexas.com to get the full scrimmage report uh, right now. Uh, it's on the message boards. I think Eric Nalin is going to post that to the front page in a, in a little bit. But what I would say is this, um, you know, the one, one description caught me off guard a little bit, but it, it's so true because I've noted it this uh in the first three practices of the year, Jerry, I was talking to someone last night who, who was, who it, it was in attendance. And he said, Jonathan Brooks got his man body. This yeah. <laughs> Well, that's better than getting your dad body when you're yeah. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. But anyways, uh, he, he's a different looking cat right now, guys. Uh, so um, at, overall, um, Blake, Jerry, it was just reinforced what I saw with my own eyes uh, two weeks ago. I mean, this is a different looking Texas football team. I mean, I, I don't know what they're going to do with all this talent. Like winning and losing is a different enterprise, right? right. Than getting a, an NFL pick. Uh, uh, by the way, I'm talking to Matt Miller of ESPN later today, uh, doing a uh, NFL kind of draft where the Longhorns sit uh, going into this season. But um I want y'all to check that out if you get a chance. But what I would say is that this Texas team looks like a top 10 physical team. Doesn't mean they'll end up in the top 10. I think that's the, the projection for many. But they look the part. And that is the absolute key to this. I mean, when you start, it's when you start getting these classes back to back. You add guys through the portal. You don't lose guys. You don't want to lose in the portal. Um, that's, that's all part of it. Texas also last night, Jerry had an NIL function, uh, yeah. before practice. Steve Sarkeesian spoke to the group, David Pierce, the Texas baseball coach spoke to the group as well. Um, uh, it was a, uh, it was, it was one of those things where, 
they're trying to continue to make sure that that's top of mind for donors, both large and small. Uh, remember to donate to the Texas One Fund if you want to participate uh, in the uh, NIL process for the University of Texas. Jerry, uh, Jerry Blake, anything else? Yeah, uh, Britt Rasco, you don't have to pull it up, uh, Blake, but he said your 409 correspondent will bring news from Port Arthur Memorial Stadium, home of Jamal Charles, on the matchup of 2025's Michael Riles from Port Arthur Memorial, Jackson Christian from Port Natchez Groves. That's 825. Britt, I may see you at that, by the way. Um, Jackson Christian, 2025 offensive tackle for PNG that'll play guard next level. I think Texas has a pretty decent lead there. Uh, also remember this, uh, Britt. 2026 linebacker for Port Arthur Memorial. They're saying the coaches were telling me at the regional track meet he's going to be the best football prospect to come out of Memorial since Jamal Charles. Wow, probably that sounds like that. They had some dudes yeah. in between Jamal and, and then there's a lot of power fives that rolled through between mm -hmm. that. Hey guys, the other thing I wanted to mention uh, Texas yesterday announced that both uh, Quan Cosby. And Jonathan Scott are going to be inducted into the Hall of Honor class next month. And I was I was hoping that maybe y'all could reflect a little bit and talk about both of them as players. <clears throat> yeah, there are quite a few, actually. Uh, David Denny, the base, the old baseball players going in as well. Uh, Matt, if our producer, could you bring that up, uh, the list, actually, uh, from the university? It's on the university website of the guys going into the Longhorn Athletic Hall of Honor. Jonathan Scott, I remember as a recruit. Quan Cosby, I remember as a recruit, I saw them both in high school. Um, and I can tell you that Jonathan Scott was a blue chip to start blue chips. So he was a top five prospect. He was destined to be the top offensive line prospect in his recruiting class. Almost from day one, he was 6'5", 6'6", and 300 pounds. Okay, here's the list here. Uh, Quan Cosby, David Denny, uh, uh, I don't know all of these guys. Chris Kirchner, I, I know a little bit. Jordan Spieth, uh, obviously, he may he may deserve to go in the Hall of Honor, right, Jerry? Yeah, he might. Um, <laughs> but this, this list is the, the list of guys and girls that are women that are going in uh, right now. But Quan Cosby was a little bit different as a recruit, Jerry. He played all over, man. Quarterback, yeah. running back, wide receiver, kick return, punt return. I think he may. I think he may have been the field goal kicker. I can't, I can't, I can't remember, but people don't remember this about Quan Cosby um, too frequently. They, they forget he actually went pro baseball for a couple yep. of years first and then bounced back yep. to Texas. And it was a recruiting win for Mac Brown over Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma, he, Quan all, literally almost went to OU. I, 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 and by yeah. the way, that was at the time when, when, um, Stoops was beating the brakes off of Mac Brown, and and they were so frustrated in Norman because Mac was winning all the recruiting battles, <laughs> even though Oklahoma was winning the game in a big way. Mac was still winning nine out of ten in state, and I remember being told that Stoops was so <laughs> off about it. Selvin Young got under his skin apparently, um, and there, but the Quan Cosby. Here's what I remember about him. And thank you, Craig Way, for always doing the recruits and review videos as well, but um, being part of that. Quan was interesting because he's kind of glided, but at the same time with short, choppy steps. And he just kind of looked like he was just playing his own little game at the small school level. Then he would kind of hit the Jets, right? Um, the thing I remember about Jonathan Scott was I had a conversation with Ray Scott, his father. And this is when I knew Mac was going to 
get it done on a recruiting level at Texas like people hadn't seen before. He was like, Jonathan's always wanted to go to Florida. I think he's going to go to Florida. <laughs> but we'll see what Mac Brown has to say about it. <laughs> Bobby, I don't know if you remember that, but, I mean, Florida was that kid's school big time. And I was like, well, that makes sense to me. I mean, Steve Spurrier, everything every, where the Florida program had been, but that was one of those early recruitments where you knew Mac was going to get it done in a big way on the recruiting trail because that may have been one he shouldn't have won at the time. Yeah, back to back in, in the Metroplex with Jonathan Scott one year and then Justin Blaylock the very next, by the mm-hmm. way, right? Um, and so that I I feel like that was that was big time. Um, thanks, Mac. You, you can put that down now. The the uh, Athletics Hall of Honor. Congratulations. To yeah. all of those folks, by the way, for uh, acquitting themselves not only well at the University of Texas, but in their postgraduate life uh, as well. Uh, so we're re- really proud of them. Uh, one more thing uh, that, I, that I wanted to say there, Jerry, about Quan Cosby. And, and this is something that I've picked up over 30 years of doing this and, and watching film and, and going on the road and visiting high schools. The guys that tend to to, even if they're small, and we talked, you just mentioned Jamal Charles. He wasn't necessarily ever that big guy. Quan Cosby was more power and compact. The guys that are like that, even though they're scat backs or really fast, the ones that tend to turn out are the ones that play through contact. Yep, no doubt. And so I'll give you an example. Deshaun Hales had fantastic tape, right? Yeah, really fast, like had a zoom to him, but did not play well through contact. Yeah. Um, and that, that's not an indictment of Deshaun. It just wasn't who his body was, right? Those guys, those are the ones that you look for that play through contact. And I and I will say one other guy that brings up another guy that that I got told that looked pretty good, made a catch last night. That's Ryan Niblett. Oh, yeah. We need to mention him again. Yeah. <laughs> so uh that seems like a guy that that has that zoom, but plays through contact. Yeah, so. and, and let's and let's th- remember this about Niblet now. Quinn Ewers mentioned him two weeks ago or last week in a press conference. Sarkeesian mentioned him. So that's quarterback one, head coach, both mentioning this freshman wide receiver. So he is really showing those athletic flashes. But it was interesting what Sark said about him. Tough aggressive that's a good sign for ryan niblet because he's seen as an explosive playmaker but when you start lining up tough and aggressive with that athleticism you might have something real all right guys well let's get to some questions because they're rolling in and of course you obviously have plenty of time to get your question or questions in so please do so and i'm going to start with this one here it made me laugh when i read it uh, it's a super chat from who FN cares. <laughs> I'm going to let you put piece that together. I uh, love the show, fellas. Now it's time for merch. My pick would be T-shirts that say, because Jerry FN Hamilton said so, keep up the great content. Jerry, where's your shirts? I don't know, but my ex-wife wouldn't buy one. <laughs> <laughs> my current wife wouldn't buy one if it- Add my name instead of yours. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, let's let's get to some other ones. Now we have another super chat here from Jimmy Trevino. He says Houston Blend from Pasadena, Texas, talking about 
coffee. Yes, Jerry, I'm Adobe Loom. Hook them. What are the wide receiver room 40s? Only Adrian Phillips days left until kickoff. Adrian Phillips days left. Bobby, if, Adobe, talk to the Adobe alum, Bobby. Oh, I am Adobe alum, by the way, guys. Yeah. Just so you know, Jerry's dad coached there um, as well. Jerry, I think you went to ninth grade at Adobe, didn't you? I did. I got kicked out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I made nine. I made nine threes against Deer Park. I guess that wasn't good enough. They told me. <laughs> hey, no, seriously. Um, Forty-yard dash times. Uh, by all accounts, a, uh, Xavier Worthy is the fastest wide receiver. Uh, but uh, to be clear, none of them are slow at this point. Um, uh, Ryan Niblett uh, expected to be the second fastest. Adrian uh, Ad Mitchell also up there. Uh, we didn't even mention the 35-yard catch and run that A.D. Mitchell had yep. last night, uh, Jerry, apparently. The Longhorns have receivers ad nauseum right now. Um, uh, the other piece of it, the long Nayar catch last night. I, I don't know what all of their 40s are, but look, Nayor and Worthy and Niblet were high-end track guys. Mm -hmm. Right, Jerry? Even they, they may have gotten a track scholarship had the, even if it's a partial, right? Had right. they just focused on track. So those three guys are legit fast. Now, A.D. Mitchell may be football functional fast more so. He may be 4-4-5, that type of range. Um, Jonte Cook, same thing, football functional fast, even though he's fast, right? DeAndre Moore, same thing. So there's, there's some categories in there, uh, but uh, by and large, Texas – this is the best receiver room. I'm, I'm, I've said this. I said this starting back at the first day I saw them in fall practice, right? It's the best receiver room Texas has ever had in my 30 years, period. We'll see if they perform like that because they don't, you know, we don't know if Quinn Ewers is Colt McCoy, right? Because that part of that is getting the, and distributing it to them. But last night, for those people that were there, and I know, I know some of them who were, they were more convinced than ever. They've got a number of receivers they can go to. There are, as one person put, there are weapons everywhere. Right. I mean, let's see if it it, it, it plays out, but man. And I, I love Adrian Phillips. So <laughs> Adrian Phillips, that's a good one. All right, guys, let's flip around to the other side of the football. Zebred says, is Texas struggling to get corners to commit because of the great depth at the position? I will say no because Adrian Wilson, uh, NFL executive and longtime NFL safety, felt comfortable enough that his son Santana Wilson committed to Texas. So I don't think that's the case at all. Um, I in Texas leads for Kobe Black, pretty healthy lead there. Um, we have some recruiting intel up on Inside Texas. If you go over there this morning, it's called confidence. Um, but now I don't think so. I, I, I don't think so at all. Um, I think look, you got to recruit. If you want to get two or three corners in a class, you got to recruit six really good ones. And just remember this, guys. Long time until signing day. Long time until signing day for kids. Uh, we know one thing about Sark and the staff. They're going to recruit through the whistle. And that whistle is December, what is it, 18th this year? All right. The next question here comes from Ashton Holloman. And he says, tell us why the Texas roster is better than Georgia, Ohio State, and Alabama. Hook them. I can't. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> going there, guys. I'm not I mean, going Texas there. Texas doesn't have a better roster than Georgia. I'll, I'll flat out say it. And they, <laughs> um, 
I don't think they have as good a roster as Ohio State. Uh, defensively, they don't have as good a roster as Bama. Offensively, I think there's a conversation. <laughs> and I'm interested to hear y'all's answers on this one. The question from E. Kim reads, most surprising thing about Steve Sarkeesian has done as Texas head coach. I want, I'm want. i going to let Bobby say get his first because I have one uh, that I'm that's in my head on this one. Organization. Um, I think it's probably the biggest thing for me, for him. And he is highly organized, yet he still has that cool kind of uh, affect, I yeah. think. And so he's like the, I, I, I don't, I don't like this uh, metaphor necessarily, but he's like the duck that you see don't not moving above water, but his feet are paddling uh, a lot underneath it. Well, he has a lot of people doing that for him and he's empowered them to do it. He is not Jerry, to my knowledge, a micromanager no. either. Um, he's, he's let some guys do their job. Now, when it comes to certain things like certain recruits, micromanager, but that's, that's his lifeblood. Other things he, he lets other people, he hires them to do their job. I, I think organization is a, maybe the most surprising thing for me. And then on top of that, he's had more success in recruiting than I thought he would. Now, how surprising is that? I don't know because it's still Texas, but uh, that has been surprising that he's been that effective as a recruiter. I didn't think he would be this good. I'll tell you for me what it is, and I agree with all of that. Um, and I think he hired a great staff for recruiting. Bringing in Gary Patterson last year, bringing in Paul Chris this year, bringing in Joe DiCamellis. There's some guys that coached at Texas that couldn't handle that from an ego perspective. I think Sark is showing how bad he wants to win. All these guys have egos, but you must set your ego aside to win as many games as possible the way college football set up these days. And I can tell you for a fact, Bobby, and I'm sure you'd agree, there may have been a former Texas coach or two that would not have brought those guys in because of ego and not wanting to be told maybe they're wrong or to think about this another way. I think that shows great growth as a head coach and a guy that wants to win. Uh, our next one's a super chat from Edmund Lee. He says, late night, I'm doing IV caffeine this morning. What other team's wide receiver and tight end compares to this coming UT's wide receiver tight ends? Go Horns. Um, I think this wide receiver room is unique because of its depth and um, variety. Uh, Dev Duvernay, Lil Jordan Humphrey, and uh, Colin Johnson combined to be the best trio of receivers in recent memory, in my opinion. Okay. Um, they didn't have a tight end like JT Sanders, though. They, they, they just didn't. So um, I don't know. I don't know what other teams wide receivers tight end. Maybe Georgia at some level, Jerry. Mm -hmm. uh, Rara Thomas is over there. Dominic Lovett is over there now. Yeah. Of course, you have Brock Bowers. Uh, McConkey is back. Um, but I, And I don't know the group at USC. I'm sure Lincoln Riley has some dudes running around yeah. there. Yeah. But um, those would be the groups. Uh, Ohio State clearly has what I think is the best receiver in the country. Uh, which is Marvin Harrison Jr. 
Uh, he is a he might be the best wide receiver since Garrett Wilson, basically, in my opinion. All right, our next one's another super chat from Dax Kelm. Thank you, uh, Dax. He says, knowing what you know now, if you could only take one, who do you take out of high school? Yours or Manning? Can't win position. Um, <laughs> but I don't Enjoy. dodge, but I don't dodge questions. Um I think both of these guys are first-round talents. I would never bet against the Manning playing quarterback until proven to be wrong. But that doesn't seem like smart business. <laughs> I agree. I mean, look, I mean, Quinn Ewers has all the talent in the world. There's no doubt about it. But, I mean, Arch has had the benefit – of being tutored to be a quarterback since he was in junior high, not just tutored, but reared, right? There's a difference, yep. um, but we'll see. I mean, it's here's the, here's the reality of it, Dax, and everybody else listening. We're not saying Arch Manning is the greatest thing since sliced bread. We're saying he's having good practices, okay? There is a reason for optimism about his future in Austin when some people just a week ago were saying he was going to be a bust. I mean, not this site and, and not this not this uh, YouTube uh, broadcast, but other people were. That, that's just it's just ridiculous. OK, so that we're putting that out there. Quinn Ewers has first round talent to Jerry's uh, point. I think that Quinn Ewers will likely leave Texas with more upside still than than I mean, Quinn Ewers best football maybe five to seven years ahead of him. Agree. That That's where people need to understand they're on a little bit different development path because Arch Manning has been doing this at a high level and knowing how to practice, et cetera, since seventh, eighth grade, maybe earlier. All right, Jerry, this next question, I think it's from your buddy Keith, and he says, what's the SEC road trip you guys are most looking forward to as reporters? Uh, anyone, Any road trip with Keith. Is what I'm looking forward to now. I've been in this business a long time. I've never had more fun on the road and enjoyed my time in this business more than when Keith and I just hit the road, same car. Um, I mean, the conversations are wild. Um, football, golf, whatever else uh, uh, comes about. But, uh, you know, we have, we have a lot of fun, man. I mean, last year we had the trip out to Florida with the IMG, went to um, – uh, Orlando uh, Jones to see DeAndre Robinson. Obviously, Keith is does an amazing job in this business. He is with the Florida site for on three. Uh, go read his stuff. He is a great guy to follow for Texas fans because Texas is going to be recruiting a lot in uh, Keith's home state, the Sunshine State. Uh, but yeah, Keith and I have had a lot of fun trips over the years. We went to Havelock, North Carolina. I mean, I, I don't. I, we may have got lost twice on that trip, but uh, we have a hell of a lot of fun together. And I, I, I like my trips with Keith. Bobby, what about you? What would be your answer? I want to see Texas play in Baton Rouge. We got gypped because of COVID. Yeah, right. I'm with you. A couple of years back, uh, I've, I've been, I've been, I've been to a couple of games in Baton Rouge through the years, um, and it is very interesting. Um, it is a, I mean, they just get started early and they, <laughs> I just don't know what else to say. I mean, it's a, it's a 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. roll when you go into Baton Rouge, right? There's no, it's not even a pregame. It's just the game. 
<laughs> and uh, I'm, I, I, I can do that. I'm old enough that I can do that once a year. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I recover the other 364 days. So that, that's probably the game that I'm most interested in. I wanted to see that so bad uh, when COVID happened. And so I'm ready for that. Well, my, mine, by the way, to answer the, the actual question is uh, probably Florida. I've been to the game at Florida before, but now that Spurrier has his restaurant open where he does a, a, some podcasts and some live stuff, I think that'd be kind of cool to be there at the Swamp, be at Spurrier's restaurant and him actually be there because I was I grew up a big Steve Spurrier fan, man. I just, I, I, to this day, I still look at his some of his funniest quotes every year just to kind of get me going for football season. <laughs> why, did Peyton, why did Peyton Manning return to Tennessee for a senior year? According to Spurrier, wanted to be a four-time Citrus Bowl MVP, <laughs> which did not end up happening, by the way. That's one of his greatest lines of all time. Because, of course, Florida was owning Tennessee at the time. Oh, man. All right. This next one is from Hua Hen Golfer. And he says, ignore injuries. Where is the one area that we cannot trip up in order to maximize the experience and talent this year? Quarterback. Quarterback. Because I think – I think you have, I think you have everything else uh, on the offensive side of the ball, uh, and I think quarterback's the straw that stirs the drink. That that would be really, I mean, I mean like, how sure am I of that answer? I would put that answer at ninety-five percent. That's where I'm at. Yeah. They they have good quarterback play this year. They win in ten games. They don't. You know, different story. Um, somebody asked, what's the update on Jay Witt? Jay Witt practiced last night, caught a touchdown on a slant. Um, it was a mi mi very minor uh, nick in, in the Saturday scrimmage, but he's back at practice full speed. All right, we have another super chat here, guys, and this one from Bomb City Blue Jay. And he says, mathematically, Malik could stay till Arch goes to the league and start that year after. Is that even is that crazy to even consider? In the day and age of the portal, yes. Ten years ago, no. I just times have changed. I mean, there's too much, there's too much pressure, a different type of pressure um, on these kids now than there was before the portal hit. Bobby, I agree. I, I I don't think doesn't mean that, and it doesn't mean that Malik and or Arch wouldn't be disloyal. I mean, let's let's throw that idea out. What that's not what Jerry or I are saying. That that's just that's just bunk. Needs an opportunity to play, um, yeah. and so we'll see how this goes. And and keep in mind, Arch is not beating out Malik for the number two job at this point. So Malik went out with the twos first yesterday, um, had a good scrimmage again, a good good practice as well. So you know it's all relative, and one day or one week does not make the entire year. So we need to see how this happens. Time and time again, in my opinion. Okay, we have another super chat here, guys, from Cliff Beckman. He says, great job, guys. After your article this morning, Jerry, over under two on the five stars. Looking forward to the Alabama game with all the IT fans and you all. Well, thank you, Cliff. Yeah, I mean, look, my thing is I just go off of the history of this business. Um, if, if you hit on two of four or five stars, you've had a hell of a run. If you hit on half of those guys, because the competition is real, it's national blue chip competition, 
Um, and at the end of the day, if you can win 50% of those battles, you've done a good job. So over under on two, um, I'll take the, I'll, I'll take the, I'll take it right on the number two, but look, will it, would I be surprised? I would not be surprised if, if it got the three, but I'm not sitting here predicting it guys. It's, this is real tough recruitments. These are real battles. These are national battles. You're trying to go into California and get the best offensive tackle in that state. You're trying to go into Missouri and get the best receiver in that state and both five-star guys. You know, these are real battles. The, the odds are you don't you aren't going to sit there and go four for four or three for four. We'll see what happens. I'd take the over based on what I know, Jerry. Yeah. I'd take the over. Hey, uh, Blake, I've got one I want to grab real quick. Yeah. Sark after dark. Guys, do you think the Mannings, uncles and grandpa – Get to watch pra the practice film to keep tabs on Arch. Jerry and I, uh, we know this. Like the the parent, not it's not just the Mannings, by the way. Right. The parents get certain clips sent to them. Yeah. And and shared with them when their son does something good. Let let's be let's be clear about that. That is a that, that's that's been going on for a while. Uh, so it's not necessarily like. It's not everybody uh, at every single practice, et cetera. I don't think anybody's watching every sing single game film or every single practice, but they certainly get to see some some of the the, the good stuff that their kids do. Uh, by the way, if you don't think the clip of the uh, fifty plus yard touchdown run made it or made it into a text thread <laughs> of the Mannings, you'd be nuts. <laughs> that definitely got around. <laughs> All right, this next question from Ford Parker reads, who do you think, who do you guys think will be the biggest impact player that sees limited snaps slash action this year? That's a great question, guys. That's a great question. I, 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 I'm going to guess where Bobby's going to go on this. Uh, I'll let you start because I know where you're headed. Maurice Blackwell for me. That wasn't my, my guess. <laughs> well, I think, I think Maurice Blackwell on defense, um, on offense, Keelan Robinson still. Uh, he's not going to be an every down. He's what I used to call a boot or what I still call a boutique back. He's not an every down guy. But uh, Kyle Flood said this at, at his press conference. Think about Keelan Robinson. You can say he doesn't do this or doesn't do that. For the amount of touches he gets, he scores a lot of touchdowns. You, you get that. You get that. You put the ball in his hands. You're going to get more touchdowns than maybe you think. So those are the two for me. Who were you thinking, Jerry? Sadir Mitchell. Uh, okay. Some people have said it in the comments uh, because, you know, look, if they get 10 snaps a game out of him and those are 100 mile an hour, 10 snaps, 110%, um, that guy can is going to show up for those three snaps or 10 snaps as uh, really somebody tough to move in the run game. I think he can bring something that nobody else can for limited snaps. But Maurice Blackwell will make more wild plays. You have sack, a strip, a big play somewhere to help change momentum of a game. I don't think Sadir will do that. But I think Sadir is going to sit that 6'6", 340 in the middle over the ball and be very tough to move. And Jalen Ford's going to like seeing him in front of him for about 10 snaps a game. Hey, one caveat to what I said, too. I don't know that either uh, Robinson or Blackwell see limited snaps. So I would I would say that, Jerry. Uh, that, that that may have been more the Sadir Mitchell answer if it was like literally five to ten a game as opposed to 15 to 20. Right. 
Well, y'all talked about the run game. Let's talk about run blocking. Davey Fawkett says, is run blocking improving across the offensive line? How have the young linebackers been doing? I think run blocking is improving across the offensive line. I think some of that's young guys stepping up. I mean, DJ Campbell is a uh, – uh, David Williams will probably can describe him as well as I can. Um, Devon, DJ Campbell has bad intentions on contact. Neto has bad intentions on com, on contact. Kelvin Banks has bad intentions on contact. So you're getting to where in the run game you have enough of these guys showing up to where, you know, last year we talked about you didn't have to block plays perfectly because Bijan could make six guys miss in five yards and get a first down. This year, I think you're going to need to block guys that extra split second, move guys a little bit more in the run game, and that's not a knock on Jonathan Brooks or Cedric Baxter. Bijan's just a different back. You didn't have to block for him to make a first down. I think you have to block a little bit more that split second longer to help open ideal run holes for Jonathan Brooks and for Baxter because they're different types of backs. But, Bobby, I think they have, they're getting to the point where they have enough of those guys with bad intentions to where it's going to show in the run game this year. I agree. I mean, look. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. You add Neto to DJ Campbell and Kelvin Banks, okay? We talk about bad intentions. Those three guys have bad intentions. Now, that doesn't mean Hayden Connor's not going to start at left guard. Right. Correct. I, I'm not it's just there are different levels of run blockers. Neto may not be ready to be the pass blocker Hayden Connor is right now. So um and Christian Jones is a significantly better run blocker than he is a pass blocker. Um so all of that put together is there. Hey, I, I want to add this. How have the young linebackers been doing? Anthony Hill continues to be called out uh by his teammates and the coaching staff. Uh, as, as doing very well. Leonga LaFowle continues to get some play uh, and run. One guy that's playing edge that I did not mention in my practice notes, and I should have because I've got a, a, a note here, Billy Walton uh, continues to get some notes. of, uh, And he was another – he was not a midtermer, right? He came in in the summer. Um, he continues to get some some real highlight play type plays coming off the edge, uh, and he's showing that that kind of stuff. Um. Yeah, that's not that's not the look everybody needs. This no. <laughs> they don't need, they don't need a they don't need a close up of Bobby Burton. I, I think I have the hot key there, guys. I'm sorry about that. I just lost the trick. Coffee and throw up. <laughs> um, hey, uh, there was a great question here. Where was that? Um, golly, about Trill Carter. Yes, I, I was actually to... about to ask you that one. Uh, just a dude says. There what can is. we really expect out of Trill Carter? He was the unquestioned starter at Minnesota, but production wise, he wasn't really productive. 
Are we just hoping he fills gaps or makes plays like Sadir Mitchell? He was productive. Um, look, everybody everybody says that whenever they don't have a ton of tackles. Defensive tackles, historically, unless you're Casey, Casey Hampton, you don't have a lot of tackles. Um, but you're productive by uh, eating up snaps and eating up blockers, uh, by and large. So um, I, I would counter that just to do... The other thing that I was saying uh, that I would say is, yeah, they do. There's a role for for Trill Carter on this team. He's going to play 15, 20, 25 snaps a game. That's 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 his role, and I think he's going to be darn good at it. And, and look, and you will be happy you have him in Tuscaloosa. Well, and, and I was going to say this. I know we're we're still two weeks, what, 18 days away, 17 days away from the start of the season. But what I'm taking one of the fall camp takeaways from me, Bobby and Blake is. All leading up to fall camp, we were saying, "Oh man, Texas is going to lose three D tackles. Man, the, the the it's not there's not going to be a lot of depth next year." Trill Carter's a two year player. Sadir Mitchell's a freshman. Dre Bledsoe's starting to become more than a flash. I mean, you have Aaron Bryant was singled out by Steve Sarkeesian for his ability to anchor against the run. So you're hearing more on these young guys. And anybody that's followed Bo Davis's resume, he develops these guys. He is really good against the run developing guys. So let's just kind of remember that, that we're starting to see some positive signs here um, uh, about the next year on the defensive line as well. And then you have large humans coming in. Hey, guys, this one, this one real quick. Uh, Ryan Nelson pointed out Christian only allowed 2.7% pressure last year. It was third among Big 12 tackles. I think his pass blocking is underrated. It it is probably underrated, Ryan, but you got to remember they also covered him with a tight end uh, in Andre Karich a lot. So, you know, give take a little bit that when he, when a when an offensive tackle has help to the outside, is that a true pass rating? Um, but I do think he's better than he's better than people give him credit for. I don't necessarily think it's his strength. I think run blocking remains uh, Christian Jones' strength. Hey, hey Blake, so, you have, Blake, you don't have to pull this one up. It was a while back, but I forgot to ask, answer it, and he asked yesterday. Three 2025s in the Houston area that really stand out to me. Obviously, Devin Sanchez, the five-star corner at North Shore, is one of those. Andrew Marsh, <clears throat> really talented receiver, receiver out of full shirt out at Katie Jordan, a new school out there. Um, <clears throat> Jonah Williams at Galveston Ball, if you consider that Houston area. I do. He's got a lot of upside. Houston area is really good in 2025, guys. I mean, um, it's Dallas has been dominant DFW in the last two, three, four classes. Houston in 2025 looks pretty good right now. Ja'Cory Watson at Shadow Creek. Kobe Sellers at Shadow Creek. Shadow Creek's got a lot of young talent over there. Uh, I will be over at Shadow Creek uh, soon. This, and they have a 2024 linebacker committed in Nebraska. I think Texas will evaluate this year. All right, let's knock out some of these Super Chats, guys. Ryan Flynn says, Ewers wasn't benched last year with Card being a more proven quarterback than Malik or Arch. Will he swallow his pride and bench Ewers if he has to this season? I don't see why he wouldn't. I mean, I I don't think... um, Look, we could go back and forth on this Ewers versus Card thing last year. Steve Sarkeesian wasn't trying to subterfuge the season by starting Quinn Ewers. He thought Quinn Ewers gave them a better chance to win football games. Um, And so 
by the way, Hudson Card apparently looking really good at Purdue is going to start at Purdue. So really happy for that young man. He's a UT graduate, by the way. Uh, so happy for him as he moved on. Uh, but this this idea that Steve Sarkeesian is somehow trying to play favorites to see who starts, it, it doesn't work that way. The, these guys are judged by wins and losses. You think he's going to put his $5 million salary on the line if he thinks somebody else helps him win more? It, it just doesn't work that way. Um, it, it just does not work that way. These guys are – these coaches are not playing games. And if they did, they, would, they wouldn't be where they are today. You don't play games and uh, make the kind of money that, that Steve Sarkeesian is making. So if, if Quinn Ewers is, gets beat out, Quinn Ewers will go to the bench. I, I don't see that happening, but that's, that's my take on this. I think people get caught up in that kind of stuff a little bit. It just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. Look, and on Hudson, look, I hope with Purdue, he's going to be at bat. He's going to be best when he gets the ball out quick. When, when he gets the ball up quick. These guys aren't all scheme fits everywhere. That's a big piece to that stuff, too. I mean, so just understand that. I think Card, I think as long as Card's in a scheme where he's getting the ball out quick, I think he I think he'll have a good year. Uh this next super chat's from Kabir Hussein. Thank you, Kabir. He says, Do we take Denver Harris if he hits the portal? Sounds like he's out at LSU. Well, he's 0 for 2 in the SEC. I don't think Texas will make it 0 for 3. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, and look, guys, just something to know. Um, these schools don't want to kick a talent like that out. Um, I hope Den uh, Denver is extremely talented, extremely talented. First round pick level talent. I hope he kicks it. Uh, I hope he I hope he saves his career here but because he's in the real danger zone now. Uh, we've had a lot of questions on Jordan Ross today, Jerry. Can you give us the latest on what you're hearing and maybe where Texas is viewing him as a prospect? Yeah, um, I just haven't heard enough. Look, and him and Colin Simmons got that they've gotten to be friends through the NIL Elite series um, or on three NIL Elite series in, in, in Nashville this summer. Um, I just am not hearing enough on that. Look, I, I know that um, Jordan mom is in is is in education i think they like that aspect from texas uh, i've heard i keep hearing tennessee has been considered the favorite in the last few days we'll see uh, alabama's trying to make a late run to keep him in state i'm just not hearing enough to connect those dots right now bobby i don't know about you now look he announces august 21st maybe something changed in the next five days i've heard that he's friends with colin simmons and that could uh, affect things but I don't know where he sits in the pecking order. I mean, Zeta Ubiozulu and Danny Okoye are priorities for Texas right now. Let's yeah. just be clear. So, and, and, and by the way, I was told by uh, um, the head coach at Carrollwood Day that Texas is – this morning I talked to the head coach – Texas texted with the head coach at Carrollwood Day, and Texas is definitely still working on getting an official visit for Solomon Williams too. So there's another um, – there's another edge player who's very talented. Somebody's mentioned that Denver Harris is at Kilgore. I know Chris Marshall's at Kilgore. Don't let them room together at Kilgore. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Well, funny that you mentioned uh, Chris Marshall <laughs> because this question, Hideaway MGA, says, not a Longhorn topic really, but Jerry, can you explain a little bit about Denver Harris, Chris Marshall's situation? 
How do you waste so much talent? Love the show, guys. Keep it up. Uh, I mean, that's hard. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's kid to kid, family to family, um, everything. N- none of it's really always a hundred percent the same. Um, I, I do think one of the interesting parts about NIL is you're going to find out who really loves football through NIL. I really do believe that because the scariest thing about NIL is giving a kid um, the, the opportunities that NIL is when they're 18, 19. And if they're not laser focused on their career, I think there's going to be some real busts, some crazy things happen uh, because of the changes uh, in college football with the NIL. Um, you got to have a great circle around you at the end of the day. And even if you do, doesn't mean they're always going to get through to a player. I know in the Chris Marshall situation, I know somebody, you guys watched him play basketball at Texas, and he was really good, that lives in Missouri City, that had Chris Marshall in AAU that's really tried to help him. It just hasn't worked. All right, well, let's move on. We got another super chat here from John Campbell, and this kind of going back to the conversation that Bobby was having earlier about LSU. And he says, went to Baton Rouge to see them play Bama a few years ago. Those people are drunk at 9 a.m. and stay that way, and the stadium literally shakes. It's wild. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's all I know to say. I mean, they're they're cooking gumbo and boiling crawfish literally at 9 a.m. I mean, cauldrons. By the way, I just I want people to understand they bring they 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 do it the right way over there in Baton Rouge, in my opinion. Uh, hey, 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 at, at the, the way, same time, I could not I could not do that weekly. I'm like, ooh. that's that's a one time a year function for me because I would be splayed out for weeks at a time. Hey, that reminds me, uh, Blake, I got to get it back over to the uh, LSU site with on three and uh, yeah, take my beat. <laughs> I've been waiting on you, Jerry. Track. Hey, Bobby, Blake, I love that side. I love the LSU fans. We have so much fun with uh, Shay Dixon. Those guys have a great site. I love going over there and chopping it up with the LSU fans. They we get they get at me. I get at them. It's a lot of fun. They're hey guys, calling for Jerry's head. <laughs> hey, hey, Blake and, and uh, Jerry, let's let's recap a little bit for people yep. that are just joining us. Some practice news and notes. Archie Manning had a good practice yesterday. A two play sequence with two consecutive touchdowns. One to Isaiah Nay or another uh, to Jordan Whittington. Uh, then also, uh, I did not mention this name previously, Jalen Catalan, uh, very vocal yesterday. And one uh, person wrote to me, he's good with like seven O's in the middle. Uh, that was that was interesting note uh, that I hadn't mentioned yet. Uh, other stuff to, to discuss, uh, Jonathan Brooks is looking good. Uh, the A.D. AD Mitchell caught a touchdown pass, about a 35-yarder. is more like a five-yard pass and a 30-yard run. Uh News and notes, others. Billy Walton looked good on defense. Uh, Manny Muhammad looked good as well. Uh, Terrence Brooks uh, still uh, really stout in the secondary as well. So uh, Austin Jordan was in a green jersey. Uh, So was Larry Turner Gooden. Uh, Both uh, uh, guys that are backups at this point. Uh, We do not think Jade Barron practiced yesterday. We're following up on that. Or DeAndre Moore. We're following up on both of those. Barron had been uh, de- dealing with a uh, lingering knee issue. We've mentioned that here previously. We'll see if that's just more of that where he's taking off every so often uh, in practice. Uh, but by and large, successful practice again for the Longhorns. Uh, very, uh, this, this is a team that has a variety 
of weapons, according to multiple people. Hey, hey Bobby, about. have you heard anything? Because Warren Roberson was recruited as a safety, and Warren Roberson continues to be mentioned by Sark, who's playing corner more than anything right now in fall. Have you heard anything about Jelani McDonald? He was working at Star, getting any reps at corner, just to make sure. I Yes. So, lastly, you brought this up because I talked to you about it. Off, off camera. <laughs> Let's just be clear. That's, that's Jerry uh, being Jerry here. Uh, yes, one of the persons I talked to last night really just loves Jelani McDonald um, and physically has a uh, skill set that is just rare. I, I don't know how else to say that. I mean, uh, Jelani McDonald and Derek Williams are the two most imposing looking defensive backs, maybe with the exception of Ryan Watts in the secondary. Um, but McDonald and Williams are the two longest and tallest DBs in the secondary as freshmen. So they, those two guys, you'll, you'll, when you see them for the first time in Longhorn uniforms, you're going to go, I'd buy stock in those guys. Like, yeah. like I know, I know they're only freshmen. I, I might be willing to, to buy them when they're, they're, they're cheap, so to say. All right, we have a, a recruiting question here, Jerry, from David Williams, and he says, UT could get the official commitment of Colin Simmons, Don McKinley, Kobe Black, Ryan Wingo, and Brandon Baker. Do you think it's likely or possible or unlikely that UT will ultimately get all five five stars? Look, I would not bet on that happening just because even Georgia doesn't get everybody, and they've won two national titles in a row. Even Nick didn't get every five-star on the board, and he dominated for over a decade. Um, I don't, I would bet against going five for five on that group. Um, but I do think Texas will get their share. I just, I, I just they, look that maybe, maybe I'll be proven wrong, but the history of recruiting suggests that five of five on those guys. I mean, look, they're not all, they're not in state recruitments. I mean, you're talking about offensive tackle, Southern California, wide receiver, Missouri, defensive tackle in Louisiana. Three of those guys are out-of-state guys. I mean, so I, history recruiting says they won't go five for five. Hey, maybe Sark will prove me wrong. Never know. All right, this next question from Champ Bailey 3 says, not saying we're going to lose out on Ryan Wingo, and I know we're still keeping in touch with Hudson, but what other receiver do we go after, or does Texas go after a flip? Or transfer Jerry. Wow. Now I'm going to put you on the spot here. Okay. Jerry's Jerry's saving a nugget for folks. This is Bobby being Bobby. <laughs> um, head on over the inside Texas later today. <laughs> I love you. I've been Jerry. saving that question, and then I thought when you did Thank that to you, Bobby, I'd let him get you back. Yes. <laughs> Just, just our own, our our good buddy Justin Wells will probably have a little juice today. <laughs> you'll definitely want to check apple. out. <laughs> All right, guys, we got a super chat here from Jimmy Trevino. He says, "Are there any coaches and staffs better than ours on our schedule?" Well, I, well talk about putting us in a bad position. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Let's get Look, super chat. <laughs> here's a question. I mean, here's a question. Um, you know, I, I think the TCU defensive coach, Gillespie, Joe Gillespie, is kind of an avant-garde guy on this 3-3-5. Uh, I think as a head coach, Chris Kleiman at uh, Kansas State 
has a lot of skins on the wall being a national champion, even though it's in division two. Yeah. North exactly. Dakota State. Um, and then winning the big 12 last year. Um, I think that on the offensive side of the ball, I don't see anybody being really better than Steve Sarkeesian. Although I don't think you can argue uh, against um, Mike Gundy and historically what he's done with lesser talent at times at Oklahoma state on a consistent basis. Uh, but I don't see anybody having a better staff functionally than Texas overall. Uh, Texas is strong on offense, defense, and special teams. But but that doesn't mean other teams aren't good too, right? For sure. <laughs> Definitely. All right, guys. This next question here is from Tyler Large, and we've had a couple of questions kind of regarding the subject. Uh, it says, could we see an 18-wheeler package with Malik? I feel like with the loss of Bijan and Roshan, we could struggle early with picking up the tough yards, and Malik has the size to do it. Now, yeah, you are not going to see that. Um, look, two totally different athletes. Um, Tyron Swoops is an NFL-level athlete at tight end. Malik Murphy is a pocket passer. I mean, he is a big body, but he is a pocket passer. Uh, if you put all the three Texas quarterbacks in athletic testing, Quinn, Arch, and Malik, as far as if you're talking 40s, Elcone drills, shuttles, he'd be the third. He'd rank third in the testing. So just something to get, just something to understand. Totally different athlete than Tyrone Swoops. Uh, Malik Murphy is a pocket passer uh, with a big arm. That is what he is. The more you put him under duress, the less he's going to make plays versus what an, uh, an arch or even a Quinn would do on the move, in my opinion. So just to, I, if Texas wanted to do something like that, look, I mean, my question was something like that. Bobby and I don't think you take a quarterback off the field. Is could you could you run something with Jonathan Brooks and C.J. Baxter? Some like you know the best one they've done other than swoops, obviously, um, was the the wildcat position with Fozzie Whitaker, right back yeah. ten with Brian Harson. Um, I could see them doing more of the the wildcat than the eighteen wheeler pack. All right, let's see here. We have a question from Britt Rasco. He says, over, under, Jonte, three touchdowns this year. Over. And I'm saying over because UT boy's not here to say it for me. <laughs> over. I'll take I'll take the middle on that. I'll take, I, I'll take three, Britt. I'll take three. All right, this next question from Just a Dude. It says, honest question. Bobby brought up who would be the lead wide receiver if Worthy, Mitchell, Witt, and Naor left. Would reaching out to Desmond Demas be a realistic move? Uh, I don't know about that. I don't know what even Demas is up to these days. Jerry, do you know where he's at? No, and that's a good thing. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what Texas's plans are in the portal at this point. I don't think they know what their plans are in the portal at this point. Um I don't know, and I think it may depend on what they are able to find uh, and land the rest of this year in the high school uh, ranks. Uh, but I don't. If they lose all four of those guys, I don't think there's any way that Texas doesn't at least go for one guy in the portal that's caught 40, 50 passes in a year. For sure, you're going you're going to need some adult in the room to join Jonte, DeAndre Moore, Ryan Niblett. And I want to say something. 
Chris Marshall, Demon Demas, because Chris Marshall will be at Kilgore Ju Juco, and he'll put up big numbers if he plays. Texas made a, took a risk with Ajay Hall. I don't think I think Texas now has the wide receiver room, the program, the culture, as Steve Sarkis, and it may be overused, but it's important. I think they have that more where they want that now, and there's a difference in the type of guys they're looking at to bring in Bobby instead of just making a throwing a Hail Mary at an extremely talented guy like Ajay Hall who had already had issues. If he can't make it for Nick Saban, boy, that's tough. Don't they don't have to be there? They don't have to be his risk. They don't have to take that risk on. Yeah. And then and they can still get that caliber player. I mean, what was a better let's just look at it. Who was a better pickup? Ajay Hall who was immensely talented, five-star. We all know he's talented, but got literally let go at Alabama. Or yeah. A.D. Mitchell, who caught four touchdown passes in four college football playoff games. Yeah. Which one's a better pickup? Yeah. Well, if if Texas is now graduated to being able to get the A.D. Mitchells, why would they ever go back and take an unsure thing like a Jai Hall? And, and by the way, I want to say this. No, there are no bad questions here. Demond Demon asking those questions. We love that. I actually learned something through this. I hadn't keep kept up with him. I knew he didn't play last year. He's at Garden City this year. You guys, y'all bring information to us too. I hadn't kept up with Demond Demas because I knew he wasn't playing last year. Uh, so thank you. There are no bad questions, guys. We love all of this. <coughs> Definitely. All right. Here's a good question, Jerry. A recruiting related question from Roger T. He said, who would you say would be the Colin Simmons or Arch Manning of the 25 class? Uh, well, I think it's interesting. I think you have him already in K.J. Lacey. He's just out of state. And I, I think here's the thing. I actually talked to K.J. a couple of days ago, and camp's going well for him. Um, they start their season in a couple of weeks, and I was just talking about my plans to get out there for a couple of games this year. <clears throat> We're just catching up. Um the thing is, I don't think Texas has him working on guys specifically right now. They have him building some relationships, right? Um, but I think as Texas really ramps up the 2025 recruiting, you're going to see K.J. Lacey front and center because I think he's going to have a huge year on the field. I mean, he's throwing as good a receiver as I've seen, Ryan Williams, in many years. And they have a lot of talent at Sarah Land. He's going to have another huge year. Um I think this uh, I think KJ Lacey's going to be the guy and I think Texas will start presenting him that way as they really get in the 2025s. Hey hey Blake, before we go to the next question, I want to ask a couple off the Inside Texas message boards if you guys aren't on Inside Texas message boards. Uh Jerry, this question's for you. Uh from SD Longhorn fan. I know Sark would say zero, but how many rosters in the country do you think do you guys think he would trade for? That's a great question. Um, this year, this team, I mean, you have to trade with Georgia. I mean, I don't care if they ha they're breaking a new quarterback or not. I mean, they still on the offensive and defensive lines now. I mean, they're they've had six years of recruiting guys, six years of keeping guys in state, beating Bama on some key guys on the defense. I mean. Hey, so let me take it one step further, though. This is the second part of this question, and I, I knew that you would say that, but this is the next part of it. If you factor in this season and beyond, yeah, 
SD Longhorn fan says Sark may be right, especially considering his brand of football. And I happen to agree with him because of the quarterback position in particular. Not that other guys aren't important, like yeah. the Kelvin Banks and uh, DJ Campbells and Anthony Hills and those kind of guys. But specifically, he's got the quarterback room where he wants it to be. Yeah. I mean, Dylan Rayola going into Georgia. I mean, look, I think that is the program. I mean, they're going to have – what are they going to go number one, number two, number one classes? Um, I mean, that that is the one. Would you trade with Ohio State? I don't know. I mean, um, long term? I don't know. I mean, I look, I guys, I've I'm I'm saying I remain the same if uh um if Sark hits that 10 win number, Texas top 10 team this year, um, he's off and running as, as much as anybody can be. Uh we have a recruiting question here about Kobe Black. Uh Blake Boren says, Will Kobe outgrow corner and move to safety in college? That's a great question. I'm gonna say no. Um he, you know, six two, he's about two hundred pounds now, probably lose some lose some weight in August. I may be the only guy on a football field not losing weight in August, but um <laughs> say he's 195 pounds. I mean, look, Ryan Watts is six, two and a half, about 207, 208, 210. Uh I so I'm I don't worry about the size with him. And the one th reason, another reason I would say no is one thing we're learning about Steve Sarkeesian's program is these guys are putting on good weight and they're they're retaining their athleticism. Manny Muhammad's put on 13 pounds since he showed up in Austin. And he looks just as good athletically, maybe even better. So for a kid like Kobe, who's a smaller school player who plays football, basketball, track, you know, he does it all. He's going to get uh, to the college if he goes commits to Texas. Now, if he goes there, he's going to get under Tory Becton and those guys, and he's just going to he's going to add good weight and he's going to get faster. And I think Kobe would do that wherever he goes. He's a smaller school player. He plays multiple sports, um, so that that's kind of something to look at. Is if he picks Texas, you can see the player development at Texas. Hey Jerry, he's play, he's moving to safety some this year, right? Correct. And that and that move is more. He had thirty six tackles and two interceptions as a junior. Okay, as a corner, as a corner. But nobody challenges you on that level. So now that Jelani McDonald has moved on, it's natural to put your best player in the middle of the field, right, at that level, and go let him make plays all over the field versus sitting on one side and people game plan away from him. And he's also going to play wide out this year and probably some running back like he did last year. Five star. For sure. Five uh, star Friday night. A couple of super chats we need to get to, guys. John Campbell says, is 2025 edge Connor Vasek on offer watch this coming season? His name should be familiar to viewers, and he's every bit as talented as his brother. Yeah, let's see uh, see how he plays this year. Uh, he's a guy who physically is developing. Um, obviously, plays for his, his pops over there. Uh, uh, coach Vosick, former Texas defensive lineman, is the D line coach at Westlake. Um, let's see. We got to watch these guys how they keep developing. Um, but I know he's got a big frame. All right, and then another super chat from uh, Jay Lee, and he says, "What does Jake Smith's waiver denial mean? Can you explain?" I honestly don't have anything on that one. Um, so he transferred back. He's Jake Smith who signed with Texas under the Tom Herman regime, transferred to USC, sat out at USC, then tried to transfer back and get immediate eligibility at uh, Arizona State under a 
you know, you can't transfer twice and be immediately eligible, Jerry. Yeah. Uh, apparently he tried to use the, um, what do you call hardship rules to get a, a special exemption. I just think that the NCAA is getting, is, is going to be very remiss to give these double transfer guys exemptions just because they want to quote, go back home. Right. It also happened to Mac Brown on a one-time transfer rule back to North Carolina on a guy that was at a Mac school. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. I think the NCAA, given the transfer portal, is going to be actually more more difficult to deal with on special exemptions. It gives them cover, right? Yeah. That's going to be a big deal in college basketball this year. Watch watch for it because some of these, these two-time transfers are not going to be eligible. Interesting. Very interesting. All right, we have another super chat here. Jake Hernandez says, do we win against A&M's five-star D-line in 24? Man, I, I am... I, like, look, I don't give, I don't give A and M any much quarter <laughs> in life, but uh, their defensive line is legitimate. Um, not only is it Shamar Turner, but their sophomore group is is kind of freaky, right, Jerry? Yeah. Uh, Walter Nolan, I've heard, has just looked fantastic. Shamar uh, Stewart. Yeah, yeah uh, Shamar Stewart. They've got a sophomore group of offensive line, of uh, defensive line. They may have two or three first round guys. So that's and then you add Shamar Turner, Fadil Diggs is back, I believe. They've got guys on the line. All right, Jerry. This next question is for you. It's from Christian. He <laughs> says Saban is coming after Lacey. What's the chance we hold on to him? I, I think KJ Lacey is a hundred percent, hundred and ten percent committed to Texas. I think he made the decision uh to commit to Texas as a quarterback for all the right reasons. Um, Steve Sarkeesian, A.J. Milwee, the offense, um, the development, the resume. I, I think, look, Nick Saban should come after K.J. Lace. He's a great, potentially great quarterback from Mobile. Nick Saban built Alabama in Mobile. People just go back and look at some of those names that he won recruiting battles for. Uh, obviously, as Ryan Williams committed this year. Um, but for 2025, who may reclass to 2024. But K.J. Lacey made the commitment to Texas as a quarterback for the right reasons. And for that reason, it's going to be tough for anybody to flip him. Hey, then, Jerry, ahead, Jerry, development by Steve Sarkeesian or development or Tommy by Tommy Reese? Yeah. I mean, Nick can want that, but he needs to go out and hire the next Steve Sarkeesian if he wants to make that happen. Yeah. That, that's, 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 a, that's a coach that, even though the guy is in-state, Tremendous player. Uh, that that may be hubris by the head coach there. Uh, we got another KJ Lacey question while we're on the subject, guys. Emmanuel Villafranco says better quarter or better prospect at quarterback, Lacey or Juju, and why? I would really want to see those, both those guys play this year to kind of get into that question more. Um, look, I, I haven't See, I, I saw – so it's kind of unfair for me to say. I saw K.J. Lacey in seven-on-seven seven this summer. I did not see Juju Lewis in seven-on-seven seven this summer. Um, but my conversations with K.J. Lacey, I think he's got the upstairs part of the position. And I can't say that about Juju Lewis because I haven't had the same conversations. Um, I think K.J.'s got it up top to be a really good quarterback. So what you see on the huddle – what you may see on a couple of TV games this year. Um, I think he's got the mind to be really good at the position. 
And don't forget, if you missed our interview with KJ Lacey from a couple months ago, you can go back and check it out on YouTube. Very well spoken. And, and by the way, I talked to KJ Lacey. He said he'd come on again uh, early in the season to kind of tell us how it's going. So I'm sure we'll have KJ back. There you go. All right. Edward Costley says, any gauge on the team chemistry? Will they be able to play complimentary football? You know, uh, I, I think they – my hat's off here to Steve Sarkeesian, but not just Steve Sarkeesian, the entire Texas football team. Um, and I'll say this because I think that the team chemistry is as good as it's been in a long time. Uh Offense, defense, special teams, I think they're all bought in. That being said, they're going to be tested this year. Um, and playing complimentary football is going to be a big deal. However, they did not fold in that regard last year like they did in 2021. When the Texas offense sputtered in 2021, the Texas defense folded. When the Texas offense or the Texas defense sputtered in 2022, they both clawed back separately um, and tried to find ways to win. That's a burgeoning chemistry, a burgeoning culture. Um, and so I don't, I think they're going to do that. And I, I, I've talked to Jerry about this and I've said this on this show and elsewhere. I think special teams is going to take another tick up this year. Yes, for sure. I just, there are too many talented athletes now roaming the 40 acres that punt and kick coverage have a chance to be special. You add that into it and then punt punt return all of a sudden with those better athletes and more of them becomes a, a bigger piece of the puzzle. I, I, I think they've done well on punt blocks under Jeff Banks. I think punt return could be better this year. Okay. Hey, I just got a breaking news alert on my phone <laughs> that's somewhat Big 12 related. Three-time Grammy Award-winning artist Nelly will perform at halftime of the Big 12 Football Championship <laughs> <laughs> this fall. <laughs> so there you of go. Course he wanted to see, of course he wanted to see Texas's last Big 12. Game. <laughs> uh, score one for the great Brett Yormark, who, I don't know. <laughs> All right, guys, we got another super chat here we need to get to. Just a Dude says, what y'all's thoughts on Quinn, Thompson, Card, and Rising all coming out in this year's draft, NFL draft? With the exception of Rising, that's kind of got to bode well for Sark, right? Well, I don't um, think Thompson's going to be much um, as a as a pro quarterback, so I, I wouldn't put that. Card is, is, is unique. Um, and Card and Rising were recruited primarily by, uh, by uh, Tom Herman. And Rising never saw the light of day with with uh, Steve Sarkeesian. He he transferred out before uh, Sark was even there. Uh, I I think it's more about Quinn uh, this year, almost exclusively in that regard. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, and I think Quinn and Rising will be the guys with NFL draftable grades of that group. All right, guys, we've got time for about two more questions here. So let's do this first one from Blackwind. He says, do you think this defense can be a top 20 unit in the country? I'll let Bobby – he addressed that yesterday, so I'll let him ramble I, on this one again. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I, I think that depending on what metric you use is the key. Uh, from an efficiency metric, they were 11th in the country last year. I see no reason that they will go down in that this year. Um, unless something happens on the interior and the edge – of the defensive line, which I don't anticipate at this time. I think this is a better defense than a year ago where they finished 11th. 
And then for our very last question today, guys, we started with coffee. We're going to end with food. Mark Valdez says, what's your go-to tailgating foods for tailgates? <laughs> um, my stomach is usually turning <laughs> prior to games. I'm one of those anxious guys before games, so I'm not a big eater. Uh, but, I mean, look, I'm from born and raised in Texas. You can't go wrong with chips and queso pregame for me. <laughs> I mean, I love me some chips and queso. Jerry? Oh, barbecue sandwich for sure. <laughs> Do you like the chopped, Jerry? Yes. Uh, yeah. There's not nothing wrong with a good chopped huh? barbecue. And chopped and sliced. You know? oh, okay. okay. Yeah. I, I, I'm not turning down any of it, obviously. <laughs> why, that's why the camera stops here. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, Bobby, I don't, do you want to give everyone a quick rundown again of, of recap of your news, and then we'll get yeah, out of here? Absolutely. And uh, Eric Nalin and I will have more on later today on uh, the practice from last night. We're going to do a state of the program uh, that will be released around noon today uh, to kind of recap even more. But uh, right now, Arch Manning looked really good again yesterday. DJ Campbell remains the starter at right guard over Cole Hudson at this point. Uh, other news and notes. Uh, Jure Bledsoe had a couple of would-be sacks against the number twos. Uh, Isaiah Naor, A.D. Mitchell, uh, and Jordan Whittington all had touchdown catches in last night's scrimmage. Austin Jordan and Larry Turner Gooden uh, were thought to be in green jerseys last night. I do want to say one other thing. People have asked, what are the yellow jerseys, black jerseys, et cetera, that we've seen in pictures? Those simply are the kick return teams in different colored jerseys. They have four kick return teams that they work with and they, they wear the four different colored jerseys. So that's all that is. But uh, again, uh, visit us at InsideTexas.com. Uh, Jerry and Justin have some recruiting scoop going up, I think, here in the next 30 minutes or so. Uh, and uh, we hope you guys enjoy it as well. It's Kunu. That was a hilarious comment. Uh, but I, obviously I can't comment on that, but I like it. <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Coffee and Football on On Texas Football today. We want to thank all of you for tuning in. Don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button. We would definitely appreciate it. And you can also hit that little bell. It'll notify you whenever we post a new video. Don't forget, as Bobby said, head on over to InsideTexas.com for all the latest and greatest Longhorn coverage. And then stay tuned for State of the Program around lunchtime. You won't want to miss that. And for Jerry Hamilton and Bobby Burton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow.